1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer.
2: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky.
3: Just like Coach Frost, I am eagerly awaiting the upcoming Peach Bowl with my
0: UCF polo and Husker shorts on.
2: Go Knights! (laughs) Ha ha! I'm also with Mac.
0: What's up, Redcasters? Happy Mist. On the fourth day of Frostmist, we've got ourselves a few new recruits, so things are going well in Huskerland.
2: Absolutely. I'm also with Boomer.
1: I'm just looking forward to this time of year where we can all embrace the history, beauty, and pageantry that is the DXL Frisco Bowl.
2: Absolutely. I am looking forward to the bowl season so I can... You guys again because I won the regular season in our, our prediction, so I will take the postseason as well. Who was really counting, though, Dave? I, I was counting. As far as I could tell, I won. So take that. Uh, I didn't win the overall um, uh, Yahoo pick though. That was our producer, Skip, uh, who actually took home our Yahoo championship. So Did he win the whole he, thing? You did. You did. Wow. I, you I know, know, I missed
0: one week, and I had a great – I was, like, right in contention, and then when I went back for Ryan's game, I forgot to put my picks in and I was like, well, I don't want to play anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that that was uh honky, like, two months ago. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, g- I gave up after Illinois, I think it was, but it, not that it would have mattered. You saw my picks the other – you know, every other week, so.
2: Yeah, cares? I think I finished third or fourth in the overall – but uh, Skip did take home the championship. So. Now, Dave, we do have Which a bull pick It's great pick-em, because we don't have don't to give we? him anything.
3: Dave, we have a bull pick don't we? Is that what We, we- do.
2: We do have a bull pick-em. Uh, we launched it a couple days ago, promoted it on uh, Twitter and Facebook. So everybody should check that out. And uh, Honky, I think you got a prize out there. Is that right? <laughs> Wait, we If you want to call it that, um, I have uh, two. <laughs> I think I would
3: call it a surprise, yeah. It's a prize. We have two 1997. Um, uh, Nebraska uh, media guides, mm. and uh, I just want to get rid of one of them. So, whoever wins this gets the other one. As long as you don't mind signing me your address, I'll
0: mail it to you. So uh, Have you yeah. looked at And we'll all sign it. Should we all sign it? Ooh, be be like yeah, we'll sign it. Yeah. Ooh, that Redcast be... official me, 1997 Dave, yeah, media This guide. was a lot
1: better than the prize Honky wanted to give. So <laughs> <should> <laughs> right.
0: a... It's relevant. It's Scott Frost, 97, Shamoun. Yeah, yeah, I yeah mean,
2: exactly. 20 year oh, yeah. anniversary. The um, uh, you know, the actual value of such a media guide at this point, uh, you know,
0: eBay have anything like I'm this? I'm guessing
3: still? I'm guessing somewhere in that thirteen to fourteen dollar range. Uh, probably yeah. almost as much as the shipping. I'd uh, imagine
0: whatever the price is actually on the cover would still probably buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back then, I, I gathered so much stuff up at that time, national championship time, thinking, <laughs> oh man, gold mine, and like <laughs> it is so worthless. You're like, what am I gonna do when
2: we win our our? Our next championship, right? You know, yeah. I'm so excited. So
3: now, Dave, (laughs) when do they need to fill this out, though? By I mean, what's the kind of the final date? The
2: uh, the first uh, bowl games are this Saturday, the 16th, and so probably around 11 a.m. Central Time, I would guess, is the first game. Uh, If you miss that, you you can still enter, but I think you start losing those points. So um, the sooner, the better. All right. Well, those links are on. on on Honky's Media Guide. That's that is <laughs> What if I
0: win it? Then yeah, you can you have get the media Honky's guide. Media Guide. <laughs> do I get my... I guess I'd just be the last one to sign it then. I'll just autograph it to myself. <laughs> That's kind of weird, but I guess I could do that. No yeah. big deal. It's not the first autographed item I've had for myself. So. <laughs> uh,
2: well, we're still in good spirits. Uh, well uh, well into a week into the frost era uh, things have been moving and shaking uh, the coaching staff has been uh, completed they've been out on the recruiting trail uh, they're now down in Florida so lots of stuff going on uh, and a lot of stuff to kind of start to digest you know trying to really uh, start to figure out who we have uh, on this coaching staff and we probably could uh, head into our uh, offense and defensive breakdown and, and kind of look at these different coaches what do you say guys? Yeah, let's do it.
0: Sounds fun. Scoring
1: explosion. The offensive breakdown.
2: All right, so it's, uh, that's uh, scoring explosion then. Let's do offensive uh, coaches. Uh, what do we know about these guys? Uh, what should our, our Redcast listeners know? Let's uh, start with uh, our offensive coordinator, who is one of the last uh, official hires because he is the interim coach down at UCF as well and he's also wide receivers coach uh, Troy Walters uh, probably one of the bigger names out there actually right uh, this is a guy who uh, played at Stanford at an all-American level actually won the Blitnikoff Award his senior season played in the NFL highly regarded uh, assistant coach right now Honky what are your, what's your take on Troy Walters
3: well you, you said it, Dave uh, a Blitnikoff Award winner I, I can't think of too many other nebraska receiver coaches that have, have claimed that award so that is something especially as we have some guys spielman morgan um, you know lindsey some guys that maybe have been thinking you know some options since uh, keith williams left it's something for them to, to rethink about that there's a really good coach here he has nfl experience uh, uh we're, we're bringing an offense here that's very exciting is going to give a lot of opportunities for catches for receivers um walters is he's a really intriguing um coordinator um and also uh, from nebraska standpoint too it's a second african-american coordinator that we've had uh jay norvell being the being the first oh yeah and so That's i think right. it's a you know it's a, a really good uh, uh pickup i think for us to have guy with a lot of experience a lot of connections he can do some things i think in california from a recruiting standpoint which are important because we are losing some connections with the Williamses, both of them being gone. So Walters kind of helps uh, give us some connection, I think, back to the California area, so the SoCal area.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, um, it's a little interesting of a relationship between him and Scott Frost because Scott Frost, similar to Tom Osborne, is going to still do the play calling, right? So, mm-hmm. Mac, uh, how, do you, how do you think that – I mean, what does what his role actually – is as as the offensive coordinator when he's not actually making the calls on the field
0: you know i think that's interesting that's an interesting question because i always wonder about that dynamic myself when the head coach is the primary play caller and yet you still have an offensive coordinator in name and a lot of times i think what that has to deal with and it it's a collaboration because as a head coach you still have several responsibilities throughout the program and particularly you know this first year with nebraska he's going to rely on him a lot for game planning uh, breakdown, you know, different ways that uh, he thinks they can attack uh, the defenses they're seeing. Uh, but it's a, it, you know, it's a collaborative effort. They've made it work very well. I mean, obviously the guy, he, he obviously had some. I think he wanted to be a head coach down at UCF. I don't think that's a secret for anything. Yeah, but I think it was clear the fact that he that, was, yeah, the fact that candidate. after that didn't go, he immediately came up here with Frost. Obviously, tells you that that relationship is working for him. So. Um, no, I think it'll be kind of interesting as it goes along to see how that that relationship becomes more defined. But um, no, it looks good.
2: Yeah, it looks like he's got a good background. I mean, wide receivers coach at A and M. He was at Colorado for a while. So
3: yeah, and if yeah. you think if you uh, think a little bit too about Osborne being a model for for um for us for how to run a program and how to be the offensive coordinator and the head coach, Osborne essentially had a couple of offensive coordinators without having them be titled that. Solit certainly played a lot of that role. tenner right. played a lot of that role. Guys that are up there in the box that they are telling the play caller down there on the field, they're exactly. telling Osborne what they're seeing, so yeah. they'll say, hey, I think you can release a tight end over here to the right, or I think that we can roll out, do those kind of things. Yeah, they're not respecting the
0: rollout, like the play action boot, yes. you know, so, yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Matt. He, totally.
2: Yeah. yeah they gotta, and, he's got to have eyes in the box up there seeing that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so what? it's
3: almost like Sometimes you call a guy the coordinator or not. I mean, it's it's a collaborative effort, but I think as you were hitting on Mac, I think the game plan thing is the big thing. I think where you really call a guy a coordinator is I can see a guy like Walters and Frost sitting in a room during the week putting a game plan together, maybe getting input from some of the other guys, but those two guys primarily being the guys actually putting the the, the plan
2: together. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, Uh, Boomer, anything on uh, Troy Walters?
1: No, I'm just excited to see what they can do offensively here. You know, the, my big takeaway from their offense is just the offensive production that they've able to turn out. My my key stat for I mentioned this many podcasts ago is points per play what they're able to churn out and uh UCF led the country in that this last year at averaging a point six five two points per play, which is, you know, fairly incredible when you think about it. Just Say that, that stat again. Point six five two points per play
0: is what they average. .652. Yes. Okay. So over a half two a plays, point you're play. going to have a, a wow. point essentially. That's kind have, of incredible. Do you have a
3: comparison? like what Nebraska had Boomer last uh, year.
1: I'm sure we're way down the list. I can find us here shortly here. Um, do, do you, you have remember? To yes, we averaged point three six uh, three. We were 79th, wedged between Texas and Louisiana Lafayette. So About half. Yes, half. So uh, we're half as productive on offense as they are. So
0: does does that uh, factor in? If we throw pick sixes and actually get negative points on the drive. <laughs> not. Because well, somebody's getting
1: points per play there. That's true. Yeah. Fair. If it doesn't, yeah. it should.
0: I mean, and I mean we Central uh, Florida, That's
1: in, you put them in the same territory as Memphis, Oklahoma. I mean, that's almost uh, an entire point higher than Penn State averages per play and Oklahoma wow. State. So yeah. that's going to be those, a pretty productive offense if we can make it
2: too, work yeah. here. So I'm excited wow. to see that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it translates to the Big Ten. So even if he was uh,
0: twice as bad this year on offense, we'd still be miles ahead of where we were last year.
2: Pretty much, yeah. That's that's good. A little margin. <laughs> a little margin of
0: error. Yeah, I like it.
2: All right, let's keep on working through this list uh, with a couple of Nebraska guys. huh? So running back's coach is Ryan Held, who uh, has been a name that's familiar with the program for a while because of his uh, connections when he was a JUCO coach down in Oklahoma and a few other places um and uh has been with uh, Scott Frost now uh, for a few years Mac what do you think about Ryan Held
0: I love that guy I mean if, if you follow recruiting at all you have seen him yeah everywhere and kind like of an multiple states in too. one day yeah yeah just flying all around he just he has a ton of energy um just a real real grinder he's got that Midwest you know he's from Overland Park Kansas so I mean he uh he was a walk-on, right? Yeah, he was a walk-on. Yeah, he, you know, came as quarterback, then switched to wide receiver. He didn't play a ton, but you know, he was. But he was here for that time period to kind of learn that culture, which is what Frost is also bringing too. So it's a good, it's a good uh, another guy on the team that knows exactly what it takes to, you know, what what they call that the the unity of purpose. He, yeah, he understands right. that unity of purpose. The other you know thing that I really like about the guy. Uh, besides his his work ethic and everything like that he's just uh his juco connections are like you you touched on before he coached in juco a lot so when it comes time for the recruiting cycles to come along that's really been a lot of his focus and you can see man he's he's making progress it's great and we need to do that again you know with with nebraska's in-state talent that we have on a year-to-year basis we know we're never going to compete with the texas or the floridas or the california so you know where we can kind of you know, bridge that gap a little bit is with the Juco ranks. And we haven't done that. We haven't done that well at all for a few years. So it's good to see us getting back on that. So Ryan Hill brings all that, I guess go Ryan held.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Definitely. From the recruiting perspective, he is, he's been the the hard charger. No doubt. Uh, Hockey boomer. Any thoughts on Ryan held?
3: I think with, with held, what what you have is, you know, you have a, a staff right now where people are like, wow, these guys are getting paid a lot of money, right? You know, they, Huge increases percentage wise over what they were making me for. I'll tell you with nobody deserves that money more than that guy right now. He has worked his way up from the, I mean, doing everything at the, the bottom of the ranks, working at, at JUCO's. He worked at Peru State. He worked, that guy has That's earned right. his stripes at every single stop. And I challenge you, well, not really a challenge isn't the right word, but just go and <laughs> Google Earth. Google Earth some of the places that he's worked in Oklahoma, like Panhandle State Junior College. Yeah. Some of the places. Yeah. Google Earth them and, and, and see what those places look like. I drove through the Panhandle of Oklahoma this last summer because I love my wife and I drove her to New Mexico. And my goodness, that place is like, that. that's the pit of hell, that, that whole area of the country. And he lived there for a couple of years coaching. And, and, um, you know that guy, that, Mike, like, lived collection. just a few hours south
1: Yeah, there. I, that's where I'm from. I mean, he's you know. sorry, Boomer. So you know,
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> of hell.
3: But I'm I'm telling you, man, that you know that that kind of that kind of um, effort that that kind of just you know he would just you take on any any job you can. And and I've heard I've read stories and heard things about how whether I mean he would he would you know, set up the water on the on the field to get it, you know, get it watered in the morning. Whatever the job was, he's done yeah. it all. And you see a little bit of that in his recruiting right now. He'll go anywhere, anytime, see anyone, and uh and it's a go getter. And he's got the husker blood in him, so awesome.
2: Yeah, there was a good article I can't remember from the journal Star or the World Herald on him talking about um you know, even when he was a player, he was essentially here to learn how to become a coach i mean that was his mentality Mm -hmm. he knew he wasn't going to play a lot he wanted to you know figure out how to how to be like osborne et cetera. so i think that's that's hey he's living the dream right now if if that's the case that's cool
3: i i do apologize to our oklahoma panhandle following if i offended you by by my uh
2: yeah we're just gonna gonna lose droves of of panhandle listeners there those boise city uh
3: people from over there, which I actually well, know we're huge that.
2: in Goodwill, Oklahoma, so this is going to hurt our
1: numbers. That's, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> My apologies. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, uh, keeping uh, working down the list here a little bit, uh, Greg Austin, another Husker guy, uh, O-line guy, who's young, full of energy again, a big, big dude. Looks like he still could be out there playing and uh, very different mentality than what we probably saw from Kavanaugh. That's going to be one of the more dramatic shifts for these players. Uh, Punk?
3: Oh, the the toughest nails kind of persona I think he can bring. Everyone remembers him. Every Husker fan remembers him for having bad knees constantly, and he'd still be out there playing play after play. And and when we think about maybe the last couple years of offensive line, the, the word toughness that comes up, uh, the idea that he can come in and and maybe instill some of that in these guys. I think we have good offensive linemen. I think we have some good players. I think there's, there's been a lot of issues. Don't get me wrong. There's been whether it's scheme or practice or just, just a number of things, but I think there's talent. But if, if we can match this guy's effort and this guy's toughness with the, with the bodies that we have, and and it's a pretty deep room for offensive line, I'm excited to see what he can do with them. So that's true. uh, And, and, you know, and, a lot of experience. yet. I mean, he was with the Eagles a couple years ago. I mean, the guy. Some of these yeah. guys have pro experience, you know, from from going from over Chip to Philadelphia with uh, with uh, Kelly a few years back.
2: Yeah, and he's not very old. I mean, really, he, he was recruited probably under Solich and then uh, played mm-hmm. under under Callahan almost his entire career. So, yep, you know, a little bit different there. All right, let's keep on moving. Uh, unless you guys can stop me whenever you have something else. Uh, how about uh, our quarterbacks coach, uh, Mario Verduzco Boomer? Uh, I think he's one of your favorites already, right?
1: Yeah, I just doing some research on him tonight, and if he's not John Oliver, there's something just totally uh, amiss here. So I've, I've gone ahead and posted that to our Twitter feed. Please take a look. And you tell me if you've ever seen the two of them together in the same room at the same time. I think not. So.
2: He uh, does seem to be a bit of a character, uh, lifelong uh, coach, uh, a lot of small-time experience, uh, California, that met Scott Frost at uh, Northern Iowa. Uh, before he joined Frost at UCF, I think he was at was uh, one of the Missouri states. I can't remember which one it was, Southwest or Northwest, something like that. Uh, but, yeah, he does does have a striking uh, resemblance to John Oliver. Um, so, um, if he's not related to him, uh, uh, just a weird coincidence, I guess. Uh, honky, <laughs> Mac, anything else you actually want to join? Talk about. I mean, I'll just say this: Frost seems to swear by this guy. So,
0: right? Yeah, he seems to be a real kind of uh, a real mechanic back there. Really works on technique, different throwing angles, throwing positions. If you watch Mackenzie Milton, uh, you know, kind of depending on if it's a rollout, his he's got a really fast natural delivery. Um, but but they talk about. Arm angles and stuff like that for different routes, different throws, different plays. So I think that's kind of what he brings. I and mean, a lot of energy, big energy guy, real technician back there. So works for him.
2: Yep, that's right. Uh, yeah, talk about someone who's come along with Scott Frost for the ride and is a dramatic change in his uh, coaching career because of that association. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. Uh, and then uh, probably one of the last coaches added to the staff. Um, Sean Becton, tight ends coach. Anything on Sean Becton, guys? He's a UCF guy, right? Kind of a lifer down there. Bit of a, a surprise that he came came along. Yeah, I don't know much but, about him,
0: but I did. I do know that he took a little flack for coming up here from some of the UCF faithful that he, you know, he finally left. Yeah. And but again, you well, know, what does that say about Frost as a head coach? Because he's been there, yeah. I think, for the last two coaching changes. He stayed. Yeah. And and they even. I believe. I mean, they, they they tried to match his salary. They didn't totally get to where Nebraska was. I think it was within sixty thousand, though, so not much. Um, and he still chose to come up with Nebraska. So I think that just tells you kind of how this staff feels about each other and the uh, and the importance of keeping them as close to together as you can. I mean, that's remarkable. Remarkable that how much.
2: Uh, yeah, he he left his his alma mater, uh, and I mean, supposedly Josh Eipel said he tried to hire him both and and, and Troy Walters and. And both chose to follow Frost. So, hey, that's cool. All right, guys. uh, Let's uh, swing over to the defensive side of the coaching staff. Throw the bones.
1: The defensive breakdown.
2: And uh, let's actually stick with that theme uh, and go with our defensive backs coach, Travis Fisher, another UCF guy, uh, played at Central Florida, Uh, eight years in the NFL, I believe, uh, and he also followed Frost. Um, Obviously, uh, Dante Williams, very popular guy, but I think uh, in the long run, I would think that Travis Fisher should be able to recruit uh, that position quite well, uh, very well. uh, uh, Yeah, exactly. Well, honky. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Um, Again, like you said, Dave, uh, a UCF guy for for – many years comes up here i think that's a that's impressive right there obviously with him brings a lot of florida connections so when you start to break the staff down into recruiting areas and you have a guy like you have a guy like walters that has some some california and you have a guy like fisher that has some florida you're starting to hit on those key recruiting areas uh we have a twitter poll about that um uh out there right now about which areas of the country um You know, do you think Nebraska can recruit the best? And and some of that's going to be based upon the coaches that we have. And so um, certainly I think Fisher fills that area. I think you bring up a really good point, Dave, bringing up um, uh, Williams that he's replacing. So similar to our receivers coach, Walter's replacing Williams, we have Fisher replacing Williams, and these are two of the more popular coaches. Even though Dante only was here for one year, these are guys that were popular, and so that's one of the challenges that a guy like Fisher coming in has to at least deal with on day one. You're going to have some players that that didn't like the fact that their their former coach is gone. That might be different yep. than other position groups. The you know the O line, or you know there might be other position yeah. groups that don't mind yeah, their guy being gone. But the DBs, they liked Williams, so it's one of those things. I think that Fisher is going to have to to adapt to. I'm sure he'll do fine with it, but um, it's just something that you know it's it's there.
2: I mean, at least there's some credibility in the sense that he played in the league, right? Oh, goodness, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know uh, much about the long-term backgrounds of either, either Dante or Keith Williams, but in both instances, they're being replaced by coaches that have legitimate experience on, on what it took for them to get in, into the NFL. Absolutely. You know? I'm not
0: going to learn the defensive back's background until they're here for longer than a year. It's just uh, – <laughs> there's just been too many. You know, we got to see if they can quick, break the stream Actually, that's a quick Boy.
2: trivia. Uh, how far can uh, Honky and Matt and you go back on our defensive backs coaches over the last decade? I mean, it's, oh my it's gosh. amazing. Oh, jeez.
3: I mean, it's easier for me to go from 73 to 97 sure. or 2003 and just say Darlington. Who was the last multiple-year
0: um, coach at defensive back? Was it Sanders?
3: Sanders, I think. Well, no, no uh, – Goodness gracious! Um, well, just safeties. I mean, you had Banker for a
0: year, yeah
3: and you last year you had Booker, and before that you had the Charleston. guy that ended up being at Rice, Charlton um, Warren. Um,
0: oh,
3: yeah, the guy that that oh. went to who went to that Rice? was
2: the, well, he was Maryland before. Oh, yeah. yeah, I
3: came in Raymond,
2: um, not Raymond.
3: Oops. Good
2: lord, I'm, I'm this is what I'm saying. Why bother learning? A blank. Name's and here then
3: you he had Charlton Warren. Gone. And some of those other guys, the 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 Randolph, I think it was Corey, Corey Corey Redman, and oh my goodness, it's that that's just been an absolute revolving door. And so hopefully, at the very least, Fisher can help stop that.
0: Yeah, that's the truth. No, he'll get a job next year someplace else. He'll do so fantastically. (laughs) It's
2: no, no, no. He's going to stick around this Frost regime, man. They have loyalty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, let's uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, a coach that will, I think, officially take his his uh, position title on January first as the tenth uh, coach is Rude, Husker guy. I've been out there recruiting himself, connecting with some of the locals. Uh, cool to have him on staff. Another NFL uh, you know, guy with a lot of experience. Uh, pretty pretty raw when it comes from coaching. He's only really been. With uh, Frost for a couple of years and in, in a uh, behind-the-scenes role, but seems like a, a a great opportunity for him. Honky,
3: yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the the local side of it, and you know, on day one, right after the uh, the press conference welcoming uh, Frost in here, he went very local, as in a couple of miles away, and helped. Coach Frost uh, recruit Bryce Williams there, so yeah, at his high uh, school, one Lincoln South, <laughs> yeah, from one Lincoln Southeast kid to the next. He
2: actually coached him a little bit, didn't he?
3: Yes, and so he before he went to UCF, I guess he was doing some stuff at Southeast. He also was involved with Nebraska at times under uh, Planey. It, again in some kind of graduate type of you know defensive right. quality assurance role. Um, him and Planey actually were were really close from their 2003 season together. So, oh, yeah. Um, but Rude, I mean, obviously, you know, great pedigree from what he did in the pros, very successful career at Tampa Bay, um, and just you know, a hard nosed Lincoln guy that's that's going to be coaching some kids here. This is a great move, great yeah. great use of that new tenth position, and that's something I guess I don't know if we've touched on a lot before or not, but that's a new NCA rule. It's the new tenth role uh, tenth spot. It was going to go to Tavita Thompson if he had, if that staff had stuck around. That poor Tavita was
2: patient and did not pay oh, off.
3: For him. That I really hope. I Still really hope Tavita guy. Thompson, you know, ends up in a great role somewhere because he As Oregon State. He was patient and it, I don't. I don't know. Well, Dave called spot. it last week. He said uh, he said that uh, Mike Riley would go back to to Oregon State probably and
2: only made sense. Jonathan happened, so. Smith needed a little experience on that staff. He's uh Riley's going to be assistant head coach. Doesn't actually have a position name to him yet, but I think he, uh, you know, will obviously help uh, Smith as a first-time head coach uh, make that adjustment. Sounds
0: like Riley just has to break out the orange and black uh, Nike gear, and he's he's ready to go. That could either go really well for that new coach or horribly, horribly wrong. You know, It'd be interesting to see that, and I'm super interested to see how Arizona State's little experiment's going to go.
2: Yeah, that, that's, that, that's crazy. Arizona State with Herman Edwards, I tell you. That whole whole approach actually sounds a little bit, I guess we'll find out more as we go forward, but how Riley as it was kind of in the Nebraska position. Sometimes we would always ask, like he would say the right thing in the press conference, and then his offensive coordinator would do the opposite. Sometimes you wonder how much control Riley had over certain parts of the, the game plan. You know what I'm saying?
0: Um, or over hiring, as, as we're finding out, or a lot of things. Yeah. That that was not a well run program. It it looked like it was being better run from our view, but boy, the more you hear about it, it just wasn't.
2: Yeah, I think maybe recruiting wise and whatnot, they were doing some sure. good things, but I think the actual management of the day to day operations that produced good football weren't happening. We definitely know um, they did
0: not they produce good football.
2: So with that
0: being <laughs> yeah. the outcome, so you something can only now presume before.
2: that they weren't doing the things behind yeah. the scenes. Something was, was not working.
0: The ingredients or the recipe. Not sure.
2: Yeah. Right. Yep. Alright, uh <laughs> that was a nice little diversion, guys. But <laughs> let's uh, uh see if we can wrap up the defensive side quick here. Let's see who else am I missing here. Uh Defensive line. I think a lot of us were hoping that John Perillo would would get a look, but again, the entire UCF staff comes over. Uh, Mike Dawson, uh, a lot of experience actually with with Dawson, uh, comes over with Frost. You guys have any thoughts on on what he might do, um, recruiting wise or or coaching technique wise?
0: Not so much to his his coaching acumen or anything like that, but more about the Perillo situation because I know how some people kind of. We're really rooting for that, myself included, but I do think the fact that they brought the entire staff, you know, that it kind of, a it should take away any kind of, like, irritation that he didn't get interviewed or get hired. I mean, this, this was like a unit they were trying to bring over. So nobody got cherry-picked, nobody got left out. We didn't keep anybody for recruiting reasons or anything stupid. You know, it seemed like all very smart football yep. moves to keep everybody that he wanted, that he had success with. So, that's my only comment on that guy. I assume Frost obviously trust him and you know Honky. i was listening to the podcast last week and i and i i too need to go back and start looking at some of that i want to see how they they are playing the defensive line if it's if it's a two gap which i don't think it is or if, you know but do you have you looked at that at all since
3: I, I i watched a little bit more of the of the memphis game and they're coming off the ball hard enough on enough plays i want to again i want to break down do a little more thorough breakdown that i posted to twitter afterwards but um it doesn't look like, I mean, they're not standing up and trying to play both sides of guys. So I, I just can't imagine that they're doing a lot of two gap, at least not what I was seeing, but I want to verify yeah, we've, that.
2: We've heard it's a far more aggressive 3 4 style. So, yes. I mean, that's, that's, uh, let's, uh, that's a uh, good transition to our D coordinator, right? Eric Chenander. Uh, another Iowa guy, uh, another 3 4 guy, but, uh, one that is, um, trusted by Scott Frost, uh, another Broyles uh, Award finalist, uh, I think it was last year, Uh, definitely an up-and-comer in in the the ranks, and it seems like his 3-4 is more aggressive than Bobby D's, so uh, what do you think about Eric Chinander?
3: Well, I'm I saying that
2: last name correct. Yeah,
3: I, I think anytime you can get a uh, you know a Broyles Award candidate who runs a three-four from Iowa, you are guaranteed golden at Nebraska. There's so. no absolutely. chance of not success. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're guaranteed the, this perfect is guy hair that, I mean
0: And tucked it, in sweatpants. I
3: said it a little. Lo- <laughs> I said it a little bit with Ryan Held at, at running back, and and this really almost applies to all these coaches. And you were saying it too, Dave. Where a lot of them have been with Frost for a while now. Chenander has been with them since Northern Iowa. These guys yeah. have worked their their ways up and everything. And so, um, it, I, I'm 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 curious to see how this this works as well. I, I it's going to be a three four. I, I I'm confident in that. In fact, I think we'll run three, more three four than what we ran last year. Diaco kind of was, you know, we'll run you know fifty fifty three four and four three. I think we're going to be almost primarily 3-4, but that doesn't mean it's the same 3-4. Right? I, I, I've told a lot of people this. It, our, it, honestly, my opinion was our, our issue on defense wasn't a 4-3. It wasn't a 3-4. It was two gap. That's what it was. And yeah, if, there wasn't. the further we can get away yeah. from that, the further that we can get away from that that, that read and react, stand-up defense alignment or offense alignment trying to read and play both sides, the more that we can play one gap and just shoot through and cause penetration, cause havoc. You're, you'll give up some plays here or there, but but you're also going to get sacks and you're going to get defensive you know, defensive successful plays. And that's something where this is something, I guess, that, here's three numbers I want to throw out. The defense that, that, that UCF had, they were 93rd in total defense. They were 53rd in scoring defense, and they were like 33rd in in defensive efficiency. What that meant was is that they gave up a lot of yards, but they were out there on the field a lot. They were out there about five to six more possessions than than Nebraska would have been just because of the way that the games were played. You expect more yards. They were about 50th in the country in scoring defense, I think 25 points a game, which actually isn't that terrible. And you expect a few more points just by being out there more, but 25 points wasn't terrible considering what they were scoring. That 30th in yeah. the country, that, that that total defensive efficiency, that's when you start to factor in things like turnovers, sacks. If you're going to be out there five to six more times a game, I expect more sacks. I expect more turnovers. I expect more fumbles. And that's where, where UCF became better. They were a top 15 team in the country in turnovers, takeaways, I believe. So you, you take the good and the bad with this style of play that we're going to play. But um, but I, I I think it's going to be an aggressive defense. And that's where... I'll be the first one to admit, I just thought a year ago, I thought we were going to be more aggressive under Diaco. I didn't understand his style of defense. I don't think he, I don't you weren't think Diaco one, came Matthew. in here and didn't do what he, I don't think, <laughs> Diaco, <laughs> I don't think Diaco did something that, that, that should have been unexpected. I, I blame myself. I didn't realize this is, that was the style of defense that he was going to run. He didn't have the players he wanted to run it, but he, it wasn't an aggressive style of defense. It really wasn't. Right. Right and that, it's everything that's everything in front of you. I wanna I wanna watch more UCF before I just fully go into this, but I, I, I'm I'm saying that I think that this is more aggressive style of three four than what we were seeing.
2: A year sure. Yeah. Boomer, you were trying to jump in there? Oh, I was just gonna
1: <clears throat> kinda piggyback on Hunky's point there about, you know, yards allowed and stuff like that in the game. And again, if you look at a defensive <clears throat> um for the defensive side of thing, the points per play that we allowed a UCF versus Nebraska comparison, um Nebraska averaged uh, 0.523 points per play that we allowed on defense, so that's not very good uh, compared to UCF. They were only averaging 0.321, so again, that's quite a bit more you know effective on defense. Sure, they ran more
2: plays, but they allowed. So a lot we more gave more up points. a point every two
1: plays. Is that Essentially, right? yes, that's what Jeez. that amounts to. About every two wow. plays an opponent ran, they they would get a point out of that. And the turnover margin again, uh, UCF was a uh, plus 2.5, and we averaged about one turnover a game. So again, I mean, they're – and we're Much talking about a UCF team
2: that gave up uh, 55 points to Memphis and 42 yes. to South Florida, excluding those two games and the Austin P game where they won 73 to 33. Yeah, and and they were they playing had scrubs for most scrubs of the Scrubs the entire yeah. second half. They only gave up no more than 24 points for any of the other games. So yeah. uh, you have a couple, a couple of really good offenses there in Memphis and South Florida. Um, and so, honestly, if we we're all only giving up 24 points or less per game, with the offense that you think that Frost will bring, you're going you're to win quite a bit. So, Yeah.
3: yeah. If it, I think if people give Memphis and South Florida the credit that, that is due to them, they were good offenses on top 25 teams. They were top 25 programs. And they were yep. the schools that, that UCF, because of the way the hurricane worked and because they didn't have a bye week, they ended up playing 11 straight weeks. You want to make excuses yeah. of being tired or injured or whatever. I mean, the last two games of an 11-week eleven, street, 11 week stretch of, of games straight is when they played their two best teams, really, playing at their best, mm-hmm. UCF and, and Memphis. And so overall, defensively, what they did to Navy, uh, you know, uh, uh, a triple option team like that, it would have been nice if the, if the, you know, it would have been nice if the hurricane didn't come, period. But... Beyond that, if the hurricane didn't affect the fact that they didn't play Georgia Tech, it would have been nice to see how they would have played against against uh, the ACC team. But um, I'm not as concerned about the defense as as I've heard some be at least.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of wait and see, and it can't be much worse than than last year's team, right? Well, the
0: other good thing about those guys, Uh, you know, they do produce the turnovers too, but they're used to being paired with an offense that plays that fast too. So, like yep they'll they'll have an idea of how they need to be for conditioning you know the quick turnarounds all that stuff they're they're gonna be ready to play a lot of snaps and and Shenander's, you know got experience getting these guys ready for games like that so they should be alright
2: yep. Yeah.
0: and our yep. last Dave our
3: last coach is who uh, Jovan DeWitt DeWitt so he's outside linebackers and is, is he special teams as well and yes, special he's teams special yep that's correct
2: well. mm-hmm. might be one of the smartest guys on the staff right uh I think he could work for NASA or something like that.
3: Well, who was telling the story? Yeah, before? He, was it you he, or you Boomer?
0: know? We always like to reference our Rise and Conquer series, you know, and quite frankly, that's just an amazing resource to look at. Your, I mean, when every single coach is coming, it's fantastic. But anyway, there was an episode there where um, illustrating how smart this guy is. He, yes, Dave. He uh, he could have worked at NASA, uh, but anyway, uh, throughout the recruiting process, he was a little frustrated with the 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 slow. Uh, process of sharing information with the rest of the coaching staff. So he developed an app one night on his phone to be able to share a spreadsheet that automatically updates to all the other coaches and um, just, you know, created it, put a little UCF logo on it, sent it out for everybody to have. So, like when one nights work. So that's the kind of guy we're getting. Kind of cool. Yeah. Exciting. Wow. Yeah. He's yeah. He's,
1: he's got that typical uh, football uh, bachelor's degrees in physics
2: and mathematics. So. <laughs> yeah, it's that's easy to always – Handle that type of honky. You uh, should see if you can uh, talk to the college engineering.
0: Uh oh, connections, broadcast (laughs) interview. Oh, that's right. Uh, All right, guys.
2: I think you know. Actually, one guy else I'd like to mention before we wrap this up is strength and conditioning, which has been a bit of a a topic lately. On like, you know, why were we not as strong and and, as we should have been? Weak in the trenches. Uh, Zach Duvall, who is a Nebraska guy, was here. under uh, Boyd Epley, I believe, and, and when Scott Frost was here he as a player, has done lots of stuff, uh, including some private sector stuff, but uh, was a UCF strength and conditioning coach, seems to be very much in the cutting edge, and is now back at Nebraska. Honky, what do you think about Zach Duvall? Uh, I
3: think everything you just said there seems, you know, well, he posted a video earlier today of an offense alignment at UCF that's jumping up you know, on top of like a, a four foot tall box and just showing the agility of a guy that's three hundred pounds and always doing so that in football. It, it's just we were talking about <laughs> those yeah. jumping we, linemen, man. Those are yeah, we,
0: we, <laughs> we were talking about last blocking week, scheme
3: every, every new strength staff always comes in has a little bit different emphasis and focus, yeah. and so um I, I'm sure he'll do a fine job. I, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that the last strength staff didn't do a good job, but and so you know I kind of want to focus a little bit you know last year i talked about last year's staff being on defense being one of the the best defensive staffs and and i still believe that individually these are really good coaches Perella coaching d line um you know at the time it was bob Elliott, of course coaching safeties we had williams we had we had uh bray coaching linebackers and obviously you had the what uh what diaco brought to dc uh all the accolades it was a great staff and individually those are great coaches But the chemistry wasn't there. I think that's the thing that we figured out, is that the chemistry was not there. For those fans out there that are really concerned about bringing everyone over from Central Florida, it's the chemistry piece of it. These guys work well together. And that's the thing that really excites me about all of them coming back here. So it's not so much—I know we just went through each guy individually, but it's not that any one of them is great or bad or good, you know, anything like that. It's just they work well together. And that's the thing that I think that that's why Frost brought them here. I think that's why they're going to work well. And, and that's also going to speed up the transitions. These guys know the language. They know how to work together. And, and I think they'll be, they'll be, you know, really good coming out of the chute working together.
0: Yeah, I think that trickles down to Duvall, too, because he knows how Frost wants his players developed. You know, so that strength staff should be able to create... Uh, You know, a program or a plan to make these guys ready to go. One interesting thing I've I've heard they do, they don't do a bunch of, uh, oh, like cardio training or anything like that because they run so much in practice that becomes a lot of their, a lot of their cardio training, so... I yeah, know. I think that the it'll be interesting to see how they look at the end of spring. You know, are they going to come in heavy so they can work it all off, or are they going to come in huh. lean and, and and just work on pace? So I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see what they look like before, or after. You know, maybe they do a good job of maintaining. Yeah, that's a good it, point. It'll definitely be different. I, yeah, I
2: think you know Duvall is is big on actually generating you know speed out out of his you know uh, strength program. So I think it's pretty interesting. You know, it's not just how fast you run naturally, it's like you can actually develop uh, that speed. So uh, to wrap this up then, guys, uh, you know, to to be fair, uh, with Riley, he brought a large portion of his Oregon State staff over, and a lot of people were probably critical of that. I think to be clear, I think we're saying the difference this time is that you have a coach coming in who just went 12-0, right yeah. I mean when you ha- go 12 and 0 things change dramatically and if you can bring that entire staff over they've got the mojo working for them right now is that fair to
3: say yeah you have a staff that went 12 and 0 but exactly yeah. you have a tw- you have a head coach and an entire staff and that's that's the difference right there
0: nobody's even learning a new position really I mean no. the coach the, everybody's doing the same job the exact same job they have out at a uh, UCF so I mean that's that's got to save so much time, and you can see that too, because how fast did they hit the road? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. they hit the before they hit the ground. They were recruiting this staff. Just leave them alone. They're they're working just yep. fine. Yep,
2: absolutely. All right, that's a great segue, guys. Let's take a break, and we'll be back with some scar- scarlet colored glasses on the recruiting front.
3: Your number one Husker fans, Auto Owners Insurance and Paul Insurance is a winning combination. We'll work with you to insure your home, auto, business, and life to keep everything you value safe, sound, and secure. Auto Owners Insurance, the no-problem people. Call Paul Insurance in York, Nebraska at 402-362-3380 and tell Alan the Redcast sent you.
2: And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, next on the Go Big Redcast is Scarlet Colored Glasses, all things uh, Husker football program. Uh, you know, hockey. Uh, you've been uh, active on Twitter here. We got a couple of polls out there right now. How how are those looking?
3: Uh, yeah, in the last couple of weeks here, we did one with uh, what is the minimum in you needs to do next year on the field to be a success in your eyes? And the Redcasters, with 625 votes, they came back and said that uh, the bowl game was most important. 53% said making a bowl game was was uh, what they need to see for success. Uh, having a winning home record that was 20 percent uh winning the west was 15 percent so basically making the title game there and then wow. win either at iowa or wisconsin winning one of those two big ones against our our divisional opponents that was 12 percent and then uh just this last week we just completed our biggest poll i don't know how to say that without sounding weird but our biggest poll um who starts at qb for NU in 2018 and not most surprised. successful
2: poll? Would that be yeah, the right thing right, you're trying to say?
0: Probably a
3: better way of saying it. Um, Highest amount of responses? <laughs>
0: Highest turnout in a poll? Or most popular? It like seems like there's a lot of ways you could say there's it. There's actually a lot of ways you could say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, most ways. seems like you just wanted to say, the humongous poll we just had.
2: I mean, is there a lot of options on this poll? You're all wrong? mocking yeah, I mean, me, is, is, is what I'm getting at. Um, <laughs> but
3: with 959 votes, this is, that's, a, that's a red cast record. Um, we've for our largest of, poll. Yeah, our largest poll. Who starts for, at QB for NU in 2018? Uh, 45% said uh, Tristan Jebia. 36% said someone not on the roster yet. 11% said uh, POB. And 8% said Tanner Lee. So, really looking towards next year, um, you know, it's pretty much people think it's either Jebia or it's someone not on the roster yet.
2: Intriguing. Not on the roster. That actually helps us. Uh, move into uh, some recruiting talk, I suppose, because if we do not have a quarterback on the roster who would be starting next year, that person could be a true freshman in uh, Adrian Martinez, who was the very first offer of the uh, Scott Frost era. It sounds like he might have got offered at um, uh, w- while the coaches were in the air flying to Lincoln almost uh, after that UCF game. Uh, Mac, I think you're uh, kind of uh, excited about this guy. What do you think? Yeah,
0: baby magic. I think we're going to start calling him that.
2: A-magic. <laughs> a- yeah, baby magic. No, I'm just Baby kidding. magic.
0: No, he uh, he is a real, a true dual threat guy. 6'3", you know, great frame, really strong arm, and, and he's and he's fast. I mean, explosive. Uh, runs hard, pretty good balance. I mean, kind of the perfect sort of trigger man for what this offense brings um, on the recruiting front. I think he is so good, and I think he is, in, in fact, um so very high on us that that is why Terry Wilson, you know, ended up being a Wildcat this week and not a Husker. You know, interesting, you know, his, his history with the Huskers is kind of funny, too, you know, committing to us with Riley and then going yeah. to... But then, you know, he goes to Oregon. He's, he's already been coached by Frost at the time and, yeah. and he didn't work out I there, hear. so I mean, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that you know, people thought, well, then he'll work out here. I mean, he's already kind of not won the job once with this guy, so... Um, but one, yeah, one other mean, thing about that, too. I don't, I don't think we should just rule out Patrick O'Brien just yet. I thought that poll result was interesting that he got so low for results. I, I think that just speaks to people's excitement sure. level for everything that is different than last year. And I understand yeah. that, too. Yeah. But, but Patrick O'Brien, um, as far as like kids on the staff right now, ran the closest facsimile to this offense in high school. And, and But, well, <clears throat> I can't say that for sure. I don't know about Andrew Bunch. Who you know?
2: Yeah, but most likely though, I think that's your uh, a good point. He he ran a similar offense down in in Southern California.
0: Yeah, right? yeah, very much so, and put up huge now, stats. You know, in
2: Jebbia it. actually also ran something of of this nature, and actually was about the only person who carried the ball. Period in that Calabasas <laughs> offense. Right. But uh, so both of these guys could have have some of this um, skill set, right? And if you really look at uh, Milton McKenzie or McKenzie Milton. Right, I mean, he, he had had some some big chunk plays this year, but it's not like he's running twenty times a game. It's not like a, I mean, he's a running quarterback is an important part of this uh, offense, but it's not a primary. Right, he he offers.
0: wasn't Robert Robert yeah. Griffin out there. You know, he was he was a no. primary passer first. That's how they did it. They they used him as an option, and, it, and he was a threat, and they had to respect him. But it wasn't like he was tearing him up and down. So that which is great, man, because that means. This offense can function and, and do well without having to have a super because it's so hard to find the fantastic runner and the good passer. You know that's difficult, but it's not terribly hard to find a good athlete. You know at, that can play quarterback, and I think, like I said, I do think we might have a couple on the on the roster right now.
3: Yeah, I think I think yeah. Milton at at UCF. He's a good example. I mean, we're talking a 5'11, 180 pound dude, so. Uh, any of the concerns being about, generous there probably yeah any of the concerns about Jebby just being too small I mean that's this isn't necessarily an offense that requires you having to have a, a, a large QB uh, O'Brien is a bigger guy um, but I yep. think what we have right now currently on staff with Jebby and O'Brien are two guys that um, certainly kind of fit the same mold at least athletically as what you would see with a uh, with a Milton it's when you start to get into to players like Martinez, uh, potential of there's there's some still some other guys out there. I'm just curious. A guy like Loxley, who is from the, the JUCO from from uh, Iowa, the Western. Iowa Western, I'm just curious if they if they try to do something to build up depth immediately in spring. There is value in having guys here um, when you're any transition, anytime you're switching an offense, switching a defense, and you have guys that can be here in the spring. You're essentially s-
2: small QB room. Right. Right. Now, right? Yeah. Andrew right now Hunch is making your fourth guy and mm-hmm. you have no guarantees that Lee would be back.
3: We're all kind of making that assumption that Lee's going to make the jump. Right. I guess in my mind right now, I'd like I wouldn't mind. I'd like Lee actually to come back. I, w- I really would. And I guess I, I think of Lee as having kind of two options right now. He has, I think he has like six credit hours to graduate. If that's the case, then, you know, he could stick around in, in, in spring. He could go through a spring practice with this, see if it works for him or not. If not, he graduates by the end of the year, and he could be a graduate transfer and go somewhere else. That's, that's an option. Yep. Another yep. option is cut your losses and just go pro. Get into the uh, get into the, the combines right now. And I have no, I have no doubt that, you know, with a, you know no pads and a helmet on, he'll look as good in a combine as he did at the Manning Camps. So yeah. I I think that that could get him into the draft somewhere. I'm not saying sure. first day well, or second day. But look, the NFL. Somewhere.
2: Case Keenum is starting for the Vikings in a playoff team. He doesn't even yeah. get drafted for God's sakes, right?
3: Exactly. So so assuming Lee isn't there, if it's if it's Jebbia and POB, then I think what you need to do is you need to build up the depth of that of that room. And and I'm talking right away, even in spring. And so if that requires, you know, a JUCO guy. If that requires a transfer, we've all heard about Noah Vedro getting out. You know his name being thrown out. Makes he could be someone sense. that could be out there in spring. Now he wouldn't play next year because of transfer rules, but at least he'd be somebody in the in the, in the quarterback the room. room. And then at, once you hit the end of this this uh, school year, you still have the potential of of uh, actual transfers. Guys like Joe Burrow from from right. Ohio State. So there, I mean, that's how you build depth just in the manner of one off season. And I think the nice thing with
0: this Martinez. Uh, kid though he is an early enrollee so he would be here for spring which would be yep. you know yeah. a big benefit to us now, he wouldn't be able to lead like what you're talking about as far as a guy who knows the offense but yep. um, yeah yeah Vedral would be nice to have just because he's been in that qb room already
2: with these guys I, you know i mean you, you follow the recruiting as closely as, as possible i haven't heard any mention of kyle Loxley actually from the coaching staff like they've talked to him or anything uh, anybody next,
3: else next to none i, I i'm it's hypothesizing curious. as much as anything I'm I'm is as, as much as anything I'm trying to come up with somebody that would help add to the depth of that QB room in spring but you, to your point Dave I haven't heard anything saying that that he's yep. even being pursued
2: yeah and they'll clearly go hard after Max Dugan I would imagine for 2019 but yeah uh, he's getting offers from everyone so uh, all right, well, let's talk about some of the guys we quickly landed here, right? We got got some guys uh, right after the big um, first weekend of of visitors. Uh, Honky, you, you excited about anybody in particular there?
3: I'm the wrong guy to ask there because I never put guys to muscle memory or, or you know when it until they sign until they're here. I so the names and all that. I know we got a receiver. I know we got a tight end slash I receiver believe, guy. Right? Yeah. I know we lost a receiver. I think Moore or something. We lost um, Josh Moore. Yeah, you know. Uh, the point is, when you lose guys, and I, I posted a, a tweet a couple of days ago, it's, you know, you win recruiting. You win some, you lose some, right? And and uh, and we'll just keep retweeting that throughout the next two months. So it's more the point of not to, to freak out when we lose somebody and not to freak out when we get somebody. We'll get the guys that we want. Here's one thing I will say about the guy that we got. We got a 6'5 dude who's like 200 pounds, and they think he's a wide receiver or tight end. I don't know his name. Justin McGriff. Is that McGriff? Okay, awesome. Guess what? You know what I like about that? I like that we're running an offense right now that it doesn't have to be so precise that this guy is definitely a tight end or he's definitely this. You know what? Yeah. He's an athlete, and we're going to get him, and he might end up being this this flex receiver. He might be a tight end. He might be a number of things, but we're going to get the kid. We're going to bring him onto campus. He may redshirt. He may not. All those things. But this is an offense that isn't so precise anymore to where— if you are two inches too short, or if you if you, you know if you if, if one little thing is wrong, we're gonna we're not gonna offer. Your
2: left foot is a quarter inch shorter than it, your right. You're out of here. It's, right? it's redu- I,
3: I yeah. coached a kid. I coached a kid about ten years ago that didn't get an offer from from the Callahan staff, and he was dominant in 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 a in, a, in an O line. You know, doing O line stuff. He was the fastest of them. He was dominating against four star guys. He wasn't gonna get an offer because he was two inches too short, and he ended up eventually being a Husker. With uh, with the, the Polini staff coming in, but that was the difference. Like, I don't want I don't want a staff that's so precise as, that if you're a good player and you're one inch off, that we're not going to give you something. That's just let's get good players in here. And some of that starts yep. with the guy down there at Lincoln Southeast, right? So,
2: anyways, now I hear you. Yeah, Mac, you have anything?
0: Yeah, going back to you know another another commit that we got that and and talking about the the flexibility with the yeah. staff that Jerron Woodyard. Uh, the Juco guy, you know, they, they've they kind of talked about him. how, And, and I think Husker fans are going to have to kind of adjust their their thinking about traditional Agreed. position roles anymore because a lot of wide receivers will be lining up at running back and vice versa. And that's kind of what they, they were talking about doing with this guy. And he has got, you can see it, you, you know, we all knew it was coming, but if you look at this guy's film, his speed jumps off quickly, you know, we're going to be a fast team, we're going to ref- recruit fast guys and and we're going to use them in a lot of different ways, so like you said Matt, like that McGriff, he's he's got a perfect frame to maybe grow into a tight end, but maybe he doesn't and he just becomes a mismatch in other ways um, but they know what they're doing, they know exactly their, their body type that they want to get and they're proving that they can already I mean, they've landed three guys already. That's I think
2: if you watch the UCF game, Adrian Killens Jr., the running back, lined up as wide receiver half the time, right? And then he'd he'd move in and everything. So, I mean, yeah, the flexibility of of these players are going to be paramount. So it's going to be very, very different than what we've seen. Um, All right, guys, anything else in specific with uh, recruiting you want to touch on? I think Uh, I'm going to transition a little bit to the, the coaching staff and how they're managing two programs at one time here i
3: i will just say this it's a tuesday night as we're recording this wednesday night uh i believe it's it's going to be walk on wednesday tomorrow and they're they're bringing on a number of kids and um and so this is kind of where you get that local flavor um there's going to be a number of, of local kids probably being uh, offered walk-ons tomorrow night or i guess wednesday night and um and that's just that goes back a little bit to you know, when, when Frost was brought in, when he did the press conference, and he said, hey, we don't want to lose kids to, to out-of-state schools, I've heard a couple of radio programs go off on this, and I think a little bit erroneously. They've gone off where it's like Frost is saying we're never going to lose a kid to another school. Well, Look, what, we, what he doesn't want to do is he doesn't want to lose kids that are D1 players to other D1 schools. That, that Always base it with that. We never want to lose the Noah fans. We never want to lose the Harrison right. Phelps. Outside of that, do everything you humanly possibly can to bring in walk-ons. And I understand that walk-ons. There's there's challenges with bringing that in when you get when you have offers to North Dakota states and all those other things. But you know School's what? School's expensive. It, it's it starts there, and and I'm curious to see what kind of walk-on class we can bring in. And, and I personally, I I, I I have a few connections with 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 one or so, and 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 I'm curious to see if we can bring a few of those in. So, um, that's you know, I. I that's that's the part that I think Frost is talking about. Let's not lose kids that that are going to be playing at other schools against us. Bryson Williams, is an example, and yeah. then outside of that, what what other kids can we bring in locally? So we're going to get some yeah, good. Lo- let's make sure the doors open, kids. right? Yep, we're going to get right. some good national kids, and we're also let's not lose those
2: local ones. Yep, name into that.
0: I think right. a lot of that'll just be solved too if we just show honest. And sincere interest early in these Nebraska kids. Yep. You know, yeah. instead of playing this, because I know this has drove drove you nuts for years, honk is just this slow playing of of local kids. Hey, just and, be honest uh, with them. Like, look, yeah. we
2: don't have a scholarship, probably, but I mean, we'd make you preferred walk on, and yeah. our walk on program does all these things for you. And I mean, it's an important part of our success, et cetera, et cetera. You know, i a big part of this is is winning, right? I mean, the walk on yeah. program will get stronger when we're winning. If we're going 10-2, and 11-1, 12-0, guys that are like, oh, I am think I'm going to take that scholarship at North Dakota or South Dakota State or whatever, or I could walk on and have a chance to play for Nebraska and, and go to New Year's Six Bowl games and do big stuff, it, it, it's far more compelling than yeah what you have right now, which is a program that hasn't been winning. Absolutely. And,
3: and high schools in Nebraska follow suit of what goes on in Lincoln. So when you have a school that's running triple option back in the 90s, high schools run that too. It's a lot easier for high schools to follow suit and run this style of offense that Frost is running than the than the West Coast pro style. So yeah. I think when year by year by year goes by and coaching clinic by coaching clinic goes by, you're going to see more kids ready to come out of Nebraska high schools to run some of this stuff because they're going to be running it earlier and earlier. It's going to – it's just – It it might take
2: a little bit of time, but that's the thing that can happen. Yeah, you can see a lot of high school football that starts running more of this offense. I think that would be pretty interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, All right, guys, so let's go with the coaching staff here just really quickly. This isn't a – we've we've been saying it's been unusual for a while. Uh, Obviously, Scott Frost has uh, an allegiance to his players there at UCF who wanted to make sure they had the best opportunity to – to win their bowl game. It is the Peach Bowl against Auburn. Uh, and it's also unusual that an entire staff comes over to a new school, right? Uh, we've had this experience here uh, several years, just three years ago, right, where Barney Cotton was our intern and Tim Beck is still the OC, and we go and play US, uh, SC in a bowl game, and, and then that staff is exits and, and Riley comes in. We have a situation here at UCF where all ten coaches <laughs> – from UCF has come to Nebraska and you can't expect a new coaching staff, which is Josh Heupel, who is the Missouri O.C., to come in and and institute his his system in three weeks. And uh, So, I mean, they're trying to make the best of this and have uh, the now Nebraska former UCF staff uh, coach the bowl game. They're down there right now. Uh, How do you think this is going
0: to play out, guys? I got to tell you, I feel like it's got to be just a little bit hairy on, on both sides, especially with the recruiting thing going on right now. We, we're sure. clearly targeting UCF uh, targets, and then we've actually had a guy decommit from them and commit to us. But, I mean, it, everybody understands that kids don't really commit to places anymore. They commit to staffs. So that's just kind of how recruiting goes. Uh, I, I will say, you know, in Nebraska's history, we've had some in-state kids kind of come to the program, but that's that's neither here nor there. But um yeah, it it's a nice built-in excuse too if the bowl game doesn't go well. Is that the preparation was sort of weird? But I don't know, man. Hats off to them if they pull this off because I I can't imagine how difficult it would be.
2: Sure, I think it's different with the uh, early signing period too,
0: right? That that adds a layer to it for sure. But you know, one thing I I thought they the frost brought this up. If you listen to his press conference earlier today about how they were they were handling this bull, this bull prep. You know, he said he was going to give the team a week off anyway because they didn't get a bye week. And then they always practice in the morning anyway, and then they would spend that evening either recruiting or game planning, which is exactly what they're doing. The only difference is that they were recruiting is for Nebraska. So, you know, if people are all worked up about how they're splitting time, I think they can just calm down a little bit on that. Yeah, absolutely. And is doing the recruiting for UCF
2: anyway, so... Uh it may not be ideal, but it's not impossible to make this work. So Sweep left. Alright guys, we are going sweep left, following college football. Wide angle view of all things uh, in that landscape. Uh, boomer, um, we had the Heisman Trophy ceremony this Saturday night. Uh, it was not a um, very popular event on the Nielsen ratings. Uh, it seemed to be uh, getting less and less uh, uh, attention these days. Uh, you have a poll for us, though, or a, uh, a trivia question, I mean, on Heisman? Trivia time.
1: Yeah, I do. I was contemplating the Heisman and just how boring it's become. It's We all know it's just a, now an award for the uh, quarterback or running back on a highly effective team that particular season, usually who's already yep. got the preseason hype. So I, I'm just kind of curious. <clears throat> Went back and looked. And my question to you is, uh, how many Heisman Trophy winners were on non-winning teams for the season?
2: All right. I'll definitely say Paul Horning.
3: <laughs> Darn you stole mine.
2: Uh, yeah. Um... Roger Staubach was on a good Navy team.
3: Was Niall Kinnick on a winning Iowa team? I not just curious i don't
2: know yeah i presume so I just, that comes to mind immediately is paul horning um, and it definitely hasn't happened in a long yeah. time because to your point it's now a popularity contest on the best player on one of your top five teams essentially yeah, so I, we
3: won't bore people with this but dave and i can at least go all the way back to probably 75 76 at least with with uh oh yeah with, yeah, you know the Heisman guys, and none of them would have been on losing records. So that is correct.
2: I, I'm going to say one. Okay, is that our final answer?
3: Yes, that's good yeah. enough.
1: Well, that that is correct with uh, Paul Horning. He was on the 1956 Notre Dame team that went two and eight. However, there was also in 1935 Jay Burwanger for the Chicago Maroons, a team that went four and four.
3: Oh so come on! Did not have a winning four record. And four and four. Yeah. The Maroons. Otherwise,
1: that's it. That's the, the
3: very first Heisman winner. Yeah,
1: Jay Burwanger. Yeah, they went four and four. So okay, that was...
3: so who finished second in the second Heisman pick? In the second Heisman pick?
1: Yes, I think. Well, it was so the we're talking the 1936 guy. season. Is that what you want? Yes, right. who
3: finished second?
2: Oh geez. Um my word! I'm gonna—is it uh, Guy Chamberlain or Ed Weir or? Oh, he'd have been dead long by then. Sam no, Francis. No, it was one of the. Francis, yeah. That Francis. Been Francis. Francis. yeah. That
1: would have been go.
3: it. Good, I, I get a yeah. question in. But yeah, come on, the Chicago Maroons, that's like were they in the UC US? No, football? I actually no, They to the one of our Big 10, I just, ten
2: brethren back then. I just thought he actually they they had a winning yeah. record. I, I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> but Paul Horning is well known as as uh, yeah. I mean, he won the Heisman and they went two and eight. I don't yeah. know how this happened. The only
1: other the only team that's close to had a losing record was uh, the nineteen sixty nine Oklahoma Sooners with Steve Owens who Steve went Owens. Uh, six and four. Otherwise wow. everyone's had uh three losses or less, the Heisman trophy winners. So it definitely is a popularity contest on teams that win a lot. Yep,
2: yep, yep. Uh, yeah, well, that Heisman Trophy um, went to Baker Mayfield, who Oklahoma now has. What is it, five or six of these things? Uh, Quite a few. We got to start winning a few on our side to get that back even, guys. But uh, they've had three, I think, in the last you know two decades. They've had three Heisman winners since they won their last national championship um so uh but uh to your point ratings are down people aren't really paying much attention any longer the uh heisman the past heisman winners are expressing their uh kind of just dis- uh disprovement of 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 the foundation etc so really interesting stuff uh uh, all right, guys, um, let's move on to a bowl season, huh? Bowl predictions. Uh, well, let's, Honky, do you have anything on coaching carousel? Do you want to wrap that up at all? Anything that you want to?
3: Not too much. I mean, I know last week we talked about, you know, obviously the messes at Tennessee and everything, but it sounds like some of these are now starting to, to get cleared up. So Oregon, you know, Taggart left as expected, went to – FSU and then Oregon replaces him with uh, is it Mario Cristobal. Is that the right? That in the house. That's who is the guy that ended up at Tennessee? Was it? Is it Pruitt? Was yeah,
1: Pruitt, Pruitt, Pruitt? Jeremy Pruitt. Alabama, 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 DC. So yep.
3: the the SEC recycles SEC. That that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yep. Except for Arkansas, who takes uh, the SMU
2: coach? Uh, what was his Chad Morris? Chad Morris, who was at Clemson as the OC before he came to SMU. Mm-hmm. And, so basically, I, mean, I, I put. Put that into context really quick, Conkley. Uh, Arkansas is probably relatively excited about Chad Morris, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad Morris's SMU team lost to UCF this year. Yep. Chad Morris, I think, has a losing record at SMU over three years. Went 7-5 and five this year. Yep. That's who Arkansas got as their coach. And we got Scott Frost. Yep. Right? And, I mean,
3: and, and we didn't have... A plane fly down to Fayetteville and come back empty without Houston nuts. So I mean, it, we should. <laughs> every Nebraska fan should be counting you know, their their blessings right now for all that, right? Um,
2: yeah, yeah. So right.
3: it, really, it, the only other thing, Dave, uh, that I can even think of is is coaching. You know, coaches that that are maybe still available. Obviously, we, you know, you were talking about earlier, Boomer, the the craziness of Herm Edwards being at ASU for for the life of me, I, I don't, I will never understand that. But but Sumlin yeah is apparently probably okay with taking a year off from his ten million dollars yeah. and less little pocket
1: change to spend, so he's probably
2: okay for Dude, I spend dinner. my time on a mm-hmm. beach for a year, man, yeah, yeah.
3: and less miles probably doesn't sound like he's going anywhere for this
2: no nope.
3: so but that that's just kind of recapping the the coach carousel and and again, Nebraska did itself well this year in that in that regard.
2: We finally won something guys. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Uh, We'll take it, right? We'll take it. All right, guys. Well, uh, we have the bowl pick'em out there already, uh, and we're encouraging all of our listeners to to join us. Um, I don't think we're going to run through every single single one of the bowls. I think what is it, thirty-five bowls now this year, something like that? Forty, yeah, there's um, yeah, there's yeah, 40 I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, them. The, some of, some of these names are absolutely ridiculous. The uh, the Cerubundi Tart. <laughs> Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. I don't know what that means. I have no idea. I don't know what that product is. But the well, Boca that's Rotomble. the beauty of the bowl, Dave. We're going to find out, aren't we? So. Uh, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, <laughs> sounds pretty awesome. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's some interesting uh, names this year for certain. Uh, but uh, there is some pretty good matchups, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the the New Year's Six in particular, I think, has some, some pretty solid uh, ranked versus ranked. Uh, so I think you're seeing a little bit of the committee work uh, pay off here. I mean we, we can uh, complain about who, who gets that fourth spot, whether you believed it should have been Alabama or not. But the advantage of the, the committee here is you're getting some pretty good of the uh, pretty good matchups. Uh, so for example, if we're looking at uh, the big 10, we get Penn State uh, against Washington in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, two ten of two teams should be a good matchup there uh Wisconsin against Miami uh Miami at home essentially uh battle of contrasting styles there obviously though um, you've got obviously the UCF versus Auburn matchup and that's in the peach Bowl and then the new new dome which is amazing uh, let's see LSU Notre Dame and uh, then we actually have uh, USC, Ohio State, right? Is that that's is, the game? Uh, that's
3: the game that I'm yeah. excited about, Dave. I mean, that's that's anybody's Rose Bowl every
2: year. You know, you dream to have that game, and and obviously it's you know it's yeah it's a Cotton Rose Bowl, Bowl so. and that's early too. That's actually I think on on the 29th. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, and then let's see what else we got. Obviously, you have. Uh, Georgia-Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, and then Clemson-Alabama in the Sugar. Um, Honky's already called out his favorite game he's looking forward to. Mac Boomer, you have one of those in particular that you're uh, looking forward to? Uh,
0: Mostly just the UCF game for me.
1: Yeah, and as far as Big Ten Bowls, I am kind of curious to watch what Purdue does. They're kind of one of those up-and-coming teams. They're certainly going to be a little more offensively you know, pass heavy, I think compared to the rest of the big 10. I am curious to see how well they do against Arizona. So that's definitely one. I kind of want to keep an eye on. I kind of like watching the more obscure bowls
2: anyway. Yeah. Purdue, Arizona. That's, that should be a good matchup. Yeah. Um, I, I don't,
3: I don't want to watch Iowa, Boston college. That, no, well, I
1: know that one. I've, I've written that one off already. That, that sounds that's for horrible. Sure. I, you know, I will say one thing about the Big Ten bowl matchups this year is, I guess, if there is any positive, to uh, no Big Ten team making the playoffs, it's that we actually get better. I guess more even matchups than we normally Correct. do I in bowl agree. games because usually we end up with you know a team or two in the playoffs, and then we it ends up being like the number three SEC team paired against number you know six in the Big Ten. And we get mauled in all those bowl games and look terrible as a result. This is the first time in a long while I think it the matchup seemed a lot more even. Yeah. So I agree. let's hope, let's I mean, do hope they go out and win these games, which would be nice. Yes,
2: Michigan versus a very beatable South Carolina team. I don't yeah. i yeah, I barely that's... even see South Carolina play. <laughs> Wisconsin, I think, is just the better team over Miami overall. We'll see. But I mean that could be you know, the Washington Penn State, that, that could be an interesting game, but I think I think that's doable. Um, I think you've got uh, Northwestern against Kentucky. That's a winnable game. Uh, I mean, Iowa, BC. BC is probably going to be easier to get more fans there. Uh, that's the pinstripe bowl in New York City. But um, I, I don't think BC is going to Well, Rutgers gives Iowa. us the New York market, Dave, so there will be plenty oh, of content. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot there, about so no that. Yeah. Uh, you got Washington State and Michigan State in the uh, Holiday Bowl. I mean, that's actually a pretty good matchup right there, you know. I mean, I, I could. That's, that's fair. So yeah, there's a, a lot of a lot of games out there that I think are are winnable for the Big Ten this year. And um, well, one of, Nebraska's not on that yeah. list. But, well, and to,
3: and to uh, Boomer's point earlier too, I guess this is one of the fun things about bowl season. It's contrasting styles. I mean, Michigan State, Washington. State, yeah, that's just a fun mm-hmm. game to watch. Or 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 Wisconsin Miami, it's just a fun game to watch for no other reason than it's two teams that are going to go about their business two completely different ways. It's the absolute opposite of the NFL, where everyone does the same thing. I mean, these are right, these yep. are teams that are going to do it differently, and and we'll just see who wins it. You know?
1: Yeah, and that's kind of and and that's even one of the the non Big Ten bowls that I'm kind of interested to watch. It's a Liberty Bowl with Iowa State and Memphis. I think that'll yep. be just. Kind of fun to watch. We you talk contrasting styles yeah. again. Yep. Let's see how the AAC does against. A, yeah, yeah, it's not a great Big Twelve team, but it's still one with a hot coach sure. and Memphis gets a watch. home game there. Speaking of that, basically, yeah, yeah,
3: Who does South Florida play?
1: Oh, well, Texas Tech. Yeah, that'll be a good okay. game too yeah. as well. I, yeah, the that, AAC's that really got a chance to make a statement. Styles. Yeah.
2: So. Yeah, you have. Uh, Hockey's favorite team, Wyoming, taking on Central Michigan I think, in uh, Idaho. I
3: think they're my forty-point pick <laughs> out of forty games. I think they're my forty-point pick. <laughs> oh no, dear! They I, should have a,
2: a good fan base there. They can actually drive to Boise opposed to Central yeah. Michigan. Like, you know, on um,
3: my bowl pick them, I'm pretty sure I have them at forty. If not, they're they're on the upper thirties. I, I can't remember exactly.
2: I also have uh, UAB going uh, and playing Ohio. Frank Solich uh, in uh, the Bahamas Bowl, so Frankie will be on the beach in the Bahamas. So
3: Frankie's on the beach, and a school that literally wasn't playing football a year ago, UAB, is in a bowl game. So,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, amazing know. job there by UAB. Yeah. Also, I mean, there's a, there's some interesting. Like we just mentioned, Memphis essentially getting a home game. Florida Atlantic is in the Boca Raton Bowl. That's a home game for them, right? I mean, you have a couple of those where they are being very strategic with their uh, bowl uh, allotment so they can actually get some attendance yeah. in some of these bowls this year.
3: And, and I've heard how that works both ways. There are some games where, where, you know, a game like some of those lower bowls where it's helpful to have a home team. Then when you have uh, Miami playing Wisconsin, and is that is that the Orange Bowl? Or, or...
2: That's the Orange Bowl, yeah. Okay,
3: where, where I've heard, like, essentially that Wisconsin or Miami's like they're kind of they almost want to go somewhere. They want, you know, they want the enjoyment yeah, of going it, and playing right, yeah. in a bowl game. Their fans aren't crazy excited about going and watching a team that's just lost a couple games, in, you know, in a row. Yeah. And and so basically, it's kind of like, uh, you know, some places it's helpful to be home. And then in, in the case of, of uh, Wisconsin, Miami, I think Wisconsin has an advantage there. I think they're going to get some people down there excited to go down to Miami, and they'll probably have the advantage in the crowd.
2: Yeah, no, that's fair to say. So. alright guys anything else on, on the bowls? we will be back uh, next week and we'll probably actually do some picks I suppose um, we don't need to, to knock out our, our first week's games but make sure to go ahead and uh, sign up uh, for the bowl Pick'Em uh, that we've advertised on Twitter and Facebook all right, guys. Uh, let's uh, before we wrap this whole thing up. Uh, I think it is time we finally do a little bit more on Nebraska ball, right? Knee ball. The uh, the Huskers uh, had a uh, successful uh, early Big Ten campaign. Even after getting blown out by Michigan State, which is a Final Four type team, uh, they actually surprised everyone by actually really putting together one of the best games of the Tim Miles era beating Minnesota at home uh, and then on Saturday they were uh, for Tim Miles uh, the most competitive they have been against Creighton in a long time it feels like uh, that team really w- was close and there were some tough tough calls from the refs et cetera, that could have made some differences uh, and uh, we have Kansas coming up so still a tough road ahead but um, maybe there's a little bit of optim- optimism here Boomer, what do you think, man?
1: Well, they certainly played better against Creighton than I think we'd... than tradition had expected to play. Come to and expect. Yeah. I, we expected the game to typically game... start 35-8 to eight or whatever it was. You know, that's what we would have been yeah. used to. Uh, granted, they were they were handicapped by playing, uh, you know, both team in blue and a team in stripes, so that made it difficult. There was that. <laughs> but they, they looked good against Minnesota, which by all rights is probably the second best team in the Big Ten. They they got that win already. Michigan State's probably far and away the best of anyone in the conference. So it's a wide open Big Ten
2: really for those spots, you know, two through four or five six. I would say the Big Ten seems yeah. a little bit a little bit down this year. A couple teams that like Northwestern, for example, not looking quite as strong as expected. Wisconsin has a losing record. Indiana's yeah. middling Uh, I think Purdue's probably in that Minnesota boat, but we've already shown that we could could beat uh, Minnesota at home. So uh, if you can somehow piece together a a schedule or a record of, say, oh, I don't know, 10-5 and or so before you pick back up your Big Ten opponents and you still have 16 games left and you split those, that, that gets you 18 wins, and maybe you pick up one or two in the conference. You, you got a shot, right? I mean, that's the hope. Oh, I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah, you, you've got opportunities there. So, now can they take advantage of it? Well, that remains to be seen, but at least there yeah. is, you know, that, that slight window of hope before Nebraska ball usually yeah. slams it in you our face. Like uh, you know, Honky,
2: you like to talk about uh, Husker basketball in the sense of, like, well, you know, this is the most talented we've we've ever been because of our, you know, top 150 players and et cetera. And we do have on Anton Gill and Isaac Copeland and James Palmer and Isaiah Roby and Glenn Watson, who are all, I mean, and even after some of those transfers we had last year, you, I mean, this team does look more of the part of a big 10 team. Is that that fair to say the physicality of it?
3: Yeah, I would certainly say so. There, um, first off, I, I want to ask Mac if he wants to, uh, you know, give any any Nebraska ball
0: discussion here. Well, he's a huge I am, fan. so I'm I listening make sure. intently, uh, hanging on every word, <laughs> eating it by the spoonful. Okay. Whatever, it's our test audience. Yeah,
3: um, you know that the as you were saying there, Dave. I mean, Creighton uh, up until Marcus Foster makes that last three. You know, with Forty seconds left. I mean, that game was it was a one possession game, and it just you know finally yeah. kind of went away at the end. This is a better team. It's a better team, definitely on paper, and it's a different team based on the the lineup that we have out there. I mean, there are moments when when we have Roby and, and Copeland on the on the floor, and those are our bigs, and we have a couple guards with them. I mean, it's a different team. It's an up and down the court kind of team. It's a different team when we put Doobie and and Jordy out there, and and so I think we have different types of options, and that's going to come down. That's going to be helpful as we get further into this season, and we're playing sure. one team that's like Purdue. That's Purdue always has like six different seven footers that that look like the they just Russian run like five seven footers oh, out there, right? You're... Yeah, they look like the Russian guy from from Rocky. I mean,
2: you know, that's <laughs> so so
3: you have to be that's able to match reference. up in the Big Ten against a school like that, and then you and then you're going to play a team like Creighton in, in the the non conference or Kansas as we're going to play on Saturday. You're going to have to be able to go up and down the court with some teams, and so we have some different lineups. I think what this team is starting to learn right now is that Copeland, Copeland's starting to become that that a bit of that player that the five star ranking said he was. And this team, he, he looked
2: pretty good there against Creighton at yeah, times. Yeah, and,
3: and correct me if I'm wrong. Especially Dave, you are you're, you're kind of the basketball exes and those guys here. Um, we're going to go as far as Watson takes us, right? I mean, that's yeah,
2: that's yeah, what
0: Watson it feels like key. watching this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's
0: play, definitely your go-to score. I have a question yeah. on basketball. do we play Creighton more than once? Nope, just once. No, it's so we a got this all year.
1: So it's just one game, unless we catch him in a tournament, which would be nice. That yeah. is all. Yeah,
2: yeah. And no, I, think no, I one agree. Other, I mean, yeah,
1: one other play I'd really like to see step up. Uh, I, Honky and I were watching the game together, and it's just the frustrating thing is watching you know Jordy get a pass inside and just having no touch whatsoever on his shots. I mean, what did he go over five? I think. Yeah. In the game it's Creighton. It's just
2: Yeah, he you got know, in foul trouble early. I mean, Yeah, it's, it's you gotta make
1: those 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 easy layups. I mean those you're a foot or two from the hoop. You should be able to just set those in there, get those rebounds if you miss it, put it back up. I mean if he makes those, that's a totally different game. If he even makes a few of them that, you know, forces Creighton to defend the interior a little more and Maybe open up that that outside shot a little more, sure, so are not constantly double teaming everybody in the perimeter like they were in the second half. And
2: yeah, the just... second half often struggled, and the Creighton played great defense. But to, to Boomer, your point, I mean, they extended that that defense, and it was difficult to, to generate any sort of outside shooting. So yeah, yeah. I hear you. I mean, it, it, the team team has a long way to go, but you can at least see uh, some sort of light at the end of the tunnel here if if they can be competitive. Uh, because the back half of the Big Ten schedule lightens up considerably. So if they could somehow uh, either beat Northwestern or Purdue... Yeah, Purdue is a big and, win. Yeah, that yeah, would be a nice it, win. And, and, and just kind of middle along here a little bit through January, February looks like they, they could you know stack some wins up. They, they also start uh, with a lot of road games in the Big Ten. So if they could get some uh, wins there... And have that, that home home schedule in the back half of the big ten uh, they got a shot. The big Ten seems to be wide open outside of Michigan state in yep. my opinion
3: yeah, I think yeah. I, I think that early loss of Michigan state just because of how it happened, it spooked some people it spooked myself, but at the end of the day, we realize how good Michigan state's going to be in this conference. I mean they are they're number one right right, now, right? And, and by a yep. clear margin, really number two might be Minnesota. And if they it's were, possible. or they might be number two, number three, number four, but but the point is, they're they're the top echelon of, of the Big Ten. So we've beaten them, and so the fact that we don't play Michigan State again, the fact that that uh, you know we seem to be doing well against Creighton, I hope we don't get just you know, I hope we can really hang with with Kansas. I mean, that's I'm not expecting a win, but but let's hang with them. It's a home
2: game, all right. Yeah, I think it's a home game. A Kansas but, is struggling a little and bit. Kansas, so.
3: Kansas has lost a couple games. Dave, I do have a question for you, an X's and O's kind of question. And and this is something Miles has gotten a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, kickback from some fans and some media and stuff. At the end of the game, we went to a one three one zone. I yeah, I, right. I would be lying if I got into the X's and O's of basketball and said I knew a lot of it. But like we we traditionally don't do a lot of zone with Miles, right? He's he's a man to man kind of guy. So what does that mean like going to 131 at the end? How did that open up a, a you know an open 3 or what is that I guess you know sure, it, it's, what are, what's he trying to do? Yeah, the 131
2: there? has been very effective for for Miles uh on occasion. I can't remember which game it was last year or 2 years ago where he switches over to it and we pull a big upset off. Uh boy if I could remember that I, I I'd sound really smart right now. But he he's occasionally used it um the the problem is that you zones zone defense isn't gonna match up so you can potentially shoot over it mm-hmm. and it's exactly what happened in that scenario right you don't have so many manning up uh their Their best player, and he he can hit a twenty four foot, uh, you know, jumper to to break the game open right when you need it. Uh, mm-hmm. At that that moment, you like wished someone's uh, hand was in Marcus Foster's face, and it, it, it didn't happen. But uh, it was a risk. You you would hope that Creighton would have struggled with a, that adjustment and uh, a turnover or uh, a a uh, a shot clock, uh, you know, turnover would have happened there, but it it didn't happen and. You know, kudos to, to Creighton for identifying it and, and getting it to the guy that could break the defense. That's yeah. what I would say.
3: Was yeah. one of those games that you were talking about, uh, Dave, was that either like Maryland or Indiana last year at the beginning of the Big Ten when we pulled off a couple of wins? I remember I him getting... like it
2: was might have been indiana yeah i i'd have to go back and look but i know he he broke into that one three one and everybody's like whoa because miles is definitely a a man-to-man devotee it's Mm -hmm. not like you know jim Beheim lives on zone those type of things Mm -hmm. uh so it was it's pretty unusual that he goes to that so gotcha it was a tactical tactical decision by him could have worked out and you'd call him a genius didn't work out and uh yeah you just got to tipped your hat to marcus foster on that one for making that shot it wasn't like he was uh you know had an easy three-pointer that's uh, he was four maybe five feet behind the arc so yeah
3: so so hey dave and dave and boomer i'm gonna leave mac out since he doesn't care (laughs) but dave and (laughs) and boomer we're we're playing kansas on saturday so i mean what's gonna
0: happen here actually i do know that one we're gonna lose
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've been to a lot eight. of Nebraska Kansas <laughs> games, including going to the home. Uh, yeah. I do remember, I think in '98, we actually swept Kansas home and away. Uh, that was Vincent Hamilton's senior year. That that was a good time. Uh, but those those times are far away, I feel like. Uh, so you're saying we're due, Dave? We are due. I mean, I, I do feel like, I mean, I don't think Kansas is particularly good this year. Uh, they did reach number two, but I. I, I just because they hadn't lost, and they wouldn't, and have lost their last two, I'm probably more concerned about that in the sense that they probably have uh, had Bill Self uh, just, you know, in their ear the last week. So I think they're going to come out fired up. I don't, I don't think this team, I don't think Isaac, Isaac Copeland and James Palmer, those guys are going to be like you know, you know, intimidated by Kansas though. So I, I think we'll be competitive for a while. Uh, ultimately though, we, we probably lose the game.
1: Yeah, just given our past history with Kansas and you know, they're going to have more talents overall, you know, on every position than we will for the most part. I mean, we're we're definitely closer to to them than we have been in years past, but I think ultimately it's going to be hard to keep up with them, you know, for the entire game and you know, we'll probably end up losing. And again, if we can keep it respectable, you know, that's okay and then but then we had the three scrub games. Those are the ones I just don't want us to go out and pull like a Gardner yeah. web last lose year. Those. No, yeah, you lose cannot, those. cannot lose those. Yeah. You need to win all three of those convincingly. Set yourself up for a, a run of the Big Ten. So I think that's just what we need to get out of this. Frankly, I'm pleased we got one out of these four games. Just getting that one from Minnesota out of this four game stretch and looking decent against Creighton. Yeah, it's more than I expected. More than
2: I expected, team. Yeah, be yeah, honest with you. Yeah. Especially
1: coming after the St. John's and UCF losses that we had, which,
2: yeah, I agree. not
1: great, but. You know, hey, let's let's this regroup. Is a, this is a yep.
2: team with guys like Copeland and Palmer. They haven't played in a long time, so I'll give them a little bit of a, a pass on on a couple of those early losses because it's just been a while, you know. And I, they're hopefully hopefully are coming together as a team. Yeah, and uh we'll, we'll see.
3: You know, we we've, we've said for for a while now that the Red Cast gets results. Is there any way that? Can Kansas like stay in one of the motor lodges on Cornhusker Highway, like one of those, and not just not be comfortable? I mean, is Let's there something book we can every do? Room
1: in the Haymarket for the next week. So start making some calls, honky. We'll use your credit card. So. Okay, that's
3: You're, right. Here, uh, let, let me give you the number after we're done here, and, and right. Boomer, you go and you get them. You get them scheduled there. But yeah, just something that's just not real comfortable. And and uh, I think we'll be in good shape.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Uh, that reminds me. At some point, I'll, I'll tell you guys a story of when uh, Kansas Center uh, T.J. Pew uh, fell asleep in my bed. Uh, <laughs> not that there's anything. I wrong think maybe with that
0: you audience. should clarify a little. bit. <laughs> I was bit not right in the now, bed okay. at the
3: time. <laughs> I mean, there's. Uh, we don't judge here, Dave. This
2: is a trust, <laughs> trusting podcast. This is the I trust mean, tree. Yeah, so. this is, yeah.
1: You can say whatever <laughs> you be right. like here, Dave. This is this is. Friendly
2: <laughs> uh, I was not in the bed at the time, but I. I collapsed onto the bed and i'm like holy you know someone's in my and it was tj pew and i was like wow that's that's an awkward situation it's a big that dude It is. Uh, yes yeah, yeah all right yeah well all right let's uh let's do some hot takes or uh some burning like shots more to that, like that
0: story there but uh yeah
2: Not, there's nothing more to this that'll story my, my that'll goal. be for the big red cast after it's pretty segment. simple yeah. yeah it's pretty simple TJ tjp was from omaha my, uh, roommate my freshman <laughs> year at harbor Shrimp Tramp-Smith was TJP's best friend. KU had just beat the crap out of us at the Devaney Center. Uh, I, uh, rarely stayed in, in my dorm room because I was usually with my girlfriend at the time. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, I happened to be staying, uh, decided to stay at my, uh, dorm room that night. And, uh... Well, be a whole TJP was sleeping in my bed already. I was like, "What? Well, who the hell is this guy?" And it was it was Kansas's uh, freshman center at the time. Right. That story checks yeah. out. That
0: makes sense. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. There's another another Nebraska boy going to play someplace else. Yeah. 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 Well, in basketball, hard. We have a rich tradition of that in basketball, though. We do. We
2: do. Uh, all right. That was my parting shot right there. Okay, I, your I parting got one
3: shot in, is done. Knocked babe. it out of the Honky, park. That parting shots. One. Hey, uh, I mean that. My parting shots become a repeating thing here, but I have just gotta keep talking about volleyball. This is amazing. We're we're living through a dynasty, and and sometimes that you don't appreciate it enough, but appreciate it, Husker fans. My gosh, we volleyball has now made three straight Final Fours, and I want to give particular credit. I want to give congrats to Papio's. Uh, kelly hunter i mean she's the only fifth year senior on this team she's been here through every single one of these years um she's the setter through it all uh this is a you know a great player on a great team uh kudos to john cook and, and 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 to that entire team this is an amazing uh period of volleyball that we're living through
2: agreed three straight final fours is amazing all right boomer well, I just wanted to comment on
1: going back to the bowls. I think we just have a perfect scenario of cosmic perfection with everything lining up in a particular bowl. And that's Appalachian State playing Toledo and the Dollar General Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> I, oh. Everything about that is just a
2: platonic ideal. I, I would think that if the uh, all the fans got a Dollar General like you know gift card or something, they'd be be ecstatic there. That's in the swag bags for all the players. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Then just do a shopping spree
0: through Donald <laughs> <in> general.
2: <laughs> that is as long as you say basketball time. team <laughs> isn't involved, we're fine. When you think
0: about the amount of like single-ply toilet paper they had to sell to sponsor that bowl, it's <laughs> incredible. All right, Mac, all yours. Oh, I don't have a parting shot after that. <laughs> that was your parting shot. That was my parting shot. I was just trying to do the calculations, like, how much crappy Dollar Dollar General toilet paper yeah. would it be nope. at a dollar pop? Uh, yeah. No party, shot. Right. Just, and I, just guess, I guess dirt.
1: I would like to apologize to all of our listeners tonight so far in Mobile, Alabama, Toledo, and uh, the Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahoma Panhandle yeah. that we have uh, possibly offended. Uh, uh, yep. It's all in good fun. Yeah, and uh, any Dollar
3: General, you know, any Dollar
1: General employees that
2: listen to the uh, yeah. as well, we, we look forward deal. to your bowl game. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we, uh, <laughs> hopefully, we had a few listeners make it all the way through the show. We had a good time. Uh, let's call that a another Go Big Redcast. GBR.
0: GBR. Happy Frostmas.